today's very special episode of the BS Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. Brought to you, as always, by ZipRecruiter. You don't need a high hiring IQ to put Denzel Washington in your movie. He's a bankable A-list movie star. He's coming up on this podcast in a second. But if you're looking for hiring in a normal way, try ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's powerful technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. 80% of employers who post a zip, on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We're also brought to you by our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, who are excited to introduce their all-new Rate Shield approval. If you're in the market to buy a home, Rate Shield approval, a real game changer. Here's why. First, Quicken Loans will lock your rate up for 90 days while you shop. The crucial part, if rates go up, your rate stays the same. If rates go down, your rate also drops. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Bill Simmons. We're also brought to you by TheRinger.com, where it is mid-July, which is really when we hit our stride. There's nothing to write about. There's nothing going on. Just baseball. Guess what? People don't really care about baseball that much. Great. Well, we have Brian Curtis writing about the end of the LA, LA Times Sports Desk. We have the battle for the best movie trailer since 1990. Chris Ryan wrote this one. You can go. There's a bracket. You can do your picks. I think The Social Network is the best trailer probably of the last 40 years. But that's just me. Jabari Parker's Homecoming. Kevin O'Connor wrote about that. Michael Bauman wrote about Manny Machado. Where's he going? One of the few great baseball stories right now. Who's trading for him? I hope he stays in the American League because he's on my League of uh, Dorks team. Allison Herman wrote about Sasha Baron Cohen's Who is America show, which uh, I thought was pretty uneven, but the last segment was unbelievable and must-watch television. And then Ryan O'Hanlon wrote about the six takeaways from 2018's World Cup. Classic story from my end. I had planned to wake up and bet on France and Mbappe scoring a goal and thought the game started at 11 and was out late on, on Saturday night and woke up at about 9.10, which is late for me, and the game had already started. Classic. I'm terrible at gambling. Coming up, Denzel Washington, and then after Denzel, we are going to call my friend Nathan Hubbard to talk about the Yacht Rock concert that I went to on Saturday night that had to be seen to be believed. We taped Denzel on Friday at the Four Seasons. He was doing a junket for Equalizer 2, but we were able to get a solid 40 plus minutes with him. He does not do a lot of, a lot of sit downs. Really, really fun. Really, really, uh, you know, obviously a bucket list situation for me. Now I have to redo my bucket list. Denzel was at the top. I got to get Hanks. I got to get Nicholson. I don't think Nicholson's very realistic. Stevie Nicks, if you're listening, you're on the bucket list. I'm ready for you. Billy Joel, another one. I like people who, who have had great careers and are willing to go back and talk about some of the stuff. There's really no athlete on my bucket list. There's a couple coaches but uh, if you have any bucket list ideas for me, and don't send me like stupid ones. Send me like the real ones. Send me the OGs, the ones that you can't believe I haven't had yet on the BS podcast. Email me at themailbag at the ringer.com. We have had an incredible run here, and we have 
zip through a lot of people. Denzel was way, way up there. And in particular, there was one question I wanted to ask him, which you'll hear during this pod about a sports movie that he made that I've been obsessed with whatever the real answer was. And he gave it to us and it's phenomenal. Denzel coming up first. Pearl Jam. All right, Denzel Washington is here. We're taping this on a Friday. This is a bucket list episode for me, even though he's a Yankee fan and a Laker fan. But I feel like we get along anyway. And you are what? I'm all Boston. Yeah, we're natural enemies. I'm sorry. Can you count to 27? I can. (laughs) I'm just asking. Can you count to 17 Celtics titles? Do you count the Minneapolis titles or no? Because the Laker fans I know count the Minneapolis titles, which I think is complete bullshit. See, first of all, I'm from New York, (laughs) so I count Nick titles, which is depressing. I thought you were a Laker fan. I'm from New York, so first I count Nick titles, but that's depressing. Of late. There's only two Nick titles. That's what I'm saying. You don't have a lot to count. <laughs> I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But, uh, you know, I, I, I've been out here a long time and through the through the Magic era and the Kobe era. And now we're at the, what, what era are we at now? What would well, you call now this the, I would call this the LeBron era. The I LeBron would call this era. the Here Comes LeBron here era. Come, who, who else do we need? More, what else do we need? More good players. Like, like, like what? what? Like where? I thought Kawhi was coming. I just assumed it was both of them and then came to realize LeBron just wanted to live in Los Angeles and he doesn't, I think he's so confident now. It's probably like you when you get a movie and you're like, am I the only star in it? All right, I'll make it work. And I think LeBron's like that now. He's like, all right, we're a contender because I'm on the team. We'll figure out the rest later. Would be my takeaway. You're, you're not with me? Listen, <laughs> I went to school in San Francisco. Yeah. And they got a lot of guys on that team up there. They do. They have four top 20 guys. If you don't have a lot of guys, you're not going to beat them. He must know somebody else is coming. That's 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 I I that's what I'm talking about. What else is going to what well, who do you want to come? You still follow this stuff. Well, obviously we need a on-ball defender. You just used we. You yeah. are a Laker fan. Yeah, I got Laker tickets. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. You, we're talking about the Lakers. Yeah. I but you said you for... said you were a Knicks fan. I am. Are you a sports bigamist? <laughs> I was a Knicks fan. I was a Dick Barnett fan. So what happens if the Knicks and Lakers play? Butch, you ever heard of Butch Comives? Okay. I, I've heard of everybody. You heard of Butch Comives? I wrote the book of basketball. Okay. You can't name a Nick I haven't heard of. Oh, okay. What did Butch Comives used to average? Well, he's probably, he was probably in the teens. Yeah. Yeah. Who was the sixth man on the championship Nick team? Which one? 73. Was Jerry Lucas sixth man that year? All right, keep That's going. pretty good. Or is it DeBusher? No, DeBusher started. started. It's Jerry yeah. Lucas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. yeah. I'll test you no yeah, more. I'm going to keep no, going. I'm, I'm good. Mm-hmm. So those your first Knicks teams were in the late 60s? I actually went. The first time I went to a Nick game was the Old Garden. Oh yeah, my mother's boyfriend I think took me, and they had posts in the old garden, and somehow we got the seats where that. Were, like, oh, the yeah. Boston Garden had that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you had to watch the game like this. I'm like, oh, this I can't believe I'm in the garden. Yeah, in this you had to look around at something. They call them obstructed view. Obstructed yeah, view. Yeah, they don't have those anymore. They ha- and 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 we saw um, 
Oh, Hal Greer. Oh, you're going way back. Yeah, so the 76ers, right? Hal yeah. Greer was playing on the 76ers. I think he shot a jump shot, foul shot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. With a little bit to the left. A little bit to yeah, the left. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Did you get to see Russell? No, never saw Russell. Nope. Do you have an opinion on the whole greatest player ever thing? Because if you saw, if you get to see Russell on TV, at least you're qualified. I never got to see Russell. Yeah, I must have seen him on TV. Well, you know, but the basketball wasn't that big then. Right. You'd see tape delayed games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The playoff game, even the finals sometimes back in those days were tape delayed. That's what I remember. We, My family had Celtics season tickets. And when they won in 1981, it was in Houston, and the game was tape delayed. And I went to bed, and my dad woke me up for the tape delay game, and we tried to pretend we didn't know who won. Now it's like the internet era. You'd never be able to do that. No. Mm-hmm. How do you follow sports when you're on these movie sets? Do you have, like, all the devices? Do you have, like, lead nah, pass, all that dev- stuff? I'm not a big you're device not that guy. No, but, nah, but, you know, I keep up with the standings. and see what's going on. Michael Jordan or LeBron? For what? For, for your personal pantheon. The greatest player of all time? Yeah. Because LeBron got What's some momentum criteria? this year. For me, the criteria is Michael Jordan was the greatest player of all time. And I don't want to hear the other well, arguments. Well, I put it this way. Here's something. Here's a monkey in the wrench. Yeah. LeBron never had. Who's LeBron's sidekick? I mean, who's Michael's? Oh, uh, Scotty. LeBron never had a Scotty Pippen. Right. Scotty Pippen. Well, he had weighed that one, that one and a half years. LeBron James has never had a Scotty Pippen. True. Who's the best defender? Could play yeah. all five positions, guard anybody, and score fifty. Shut down anybody. N- no one else has had a, 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 a co-star, if you will. Maybe Kawhi will be that guy for him. Yeah, he could be. I mean, he's got the potential. He's got the potential. So, how does your Lakers? Do you have Lakers season tickets? Yeah, yeah. And what do you do with them when you can't go? What I happens? was at the game when Mikhail. Clothesline. Oh, that's a holiday in my house. Uh, what is it? Who did he clothesline? Clothesline. Clothesline Kurt Rambis. Kurt Rambis. He deserved it. And that night, I signed up for season tickets. Oh, really? I've had, what year was that? Is that 84. 84. I've 84 had season finals. tickets. I've had season tickets ever since. Really? That night, I signed up. I'm like, oh, yeah. I the feud is on. When did you get to know Magic and all those guys? Uh, I don't remember when I first met him, but, you know. Just over the years, you know, yeah. more and more with you. You played at Fordham, right? Fordham Rams, yeah. P.J. Carlissimo. Shooting guard or point guard? What was your game like? I was a great defender and very fast. So My offensive that like? game was, 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 was sloppy. Spotty shooter or you Spotty New finish? York City game. Yeah. You go to the cup, no jump shot. <laughs> Screwball, Jamal Wills kind of shot. But I grew up in Mount Vernon, so I grew up in a great basketball town. You yeah. Know, God rest his soul, Ray Williams. Was in my class. Gus Williams was a year ahead of me. I still have that poster. The oh, Williams Ray? brothers, Ray and Gus together. Oh, I've there's never a William, seen that. There's it, a Nike really? Williams brothers poster. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm known so you them. played against Ray Williams? We all grew up in the boys' club together since age four, five, six years old. So I knew them since I was five, six, and we played bitty ball. And little was team. that just one of the things you were doing, or were you like, I'm using this to go to college? No, I wasn't using it to go to. We, no, it was even before. That in, in of my of, in my era, if you will, yeah. the guys that I was coming up with at the club, like Gus, they were some of the first guys. Like Gus got a scholarship to USC. He came yeah. out here. We were like, "Wow, he's going out to Cal. Man, what's it like? What do they do? How do they? What do they eat out there? We'd never been out here, you know." And one of the things that the director of the club used to do, which was great, he'd have you 
if you got went to college, he'd have you get one of the pendants, one of the flags from your college, and he put it in a hallway between the front door and the gym. So everybody who went to the gym, you had to walk through this sort of oh. walk of fame, but you were like, oh, wow. What, what Gus is at USC. I wonder. I wonder what they do out there. You know, yeah, you yeah. get to thinking about it. So and so went to Long Beach State. What's that? What is Long? <laughs> you know, think, think, Wichita State. Right? We had a kid. I forgot who. One of the kids went to Wichita State and played with uh, Xavier McDaniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a kid from Auburn and played at Wichita. So, anyway. so you're at Fordham. Are you starting? Nah, nah. no. Coming what out the it bench. Was, the the walk ons. We, we would fill in on the JV team because they had scholarship players and maybe yeah. some of them weren't ready for the varsity. Yeah, yeah. So they'd have some of them on the JV team or the freshman team, whatever they call the JV team. And uh, I was a walk-on and just made the team. I really like Gus Williams's game. Smooth. I thought he was one of the most underrated 70s guys. He actually should have won the finals MVP the year they won it. Yeah, that's correct. He, had like, he was like 27 he games. Team in I used to love seeing him in person. I still have the, the, the Sports Illustrated uh, cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. on the cover. It was a great era, the late 70s, because all the ABA guys came in. That's right. And there were all these good point guards, and they all were a little different than the old school point guards. Right. And you had like Kevin Porter and Gus Williams, all these. Then Isaiah eventually and Tiny. And, right. Um, they just, I just, Archie. Uh, uh, what was his name? Archie. Archie Clark. Archie Clark. Yeah, yeah, yeah Archie yeah. Clark. Chicago, right? Yeah, Chicago. Oh, yeah, Archie Clark. Um, I've always wanted to ask you this. This is my number one question. Anytime I was like, if I could ever get Denzel on the podcast. So the he got game, you against Ray Allen. Mm -hmm. He's supposed to beat you. The story I've heard was he was supposed to beat you like eleven nothing or whatever the final score was, and they staged the game and you're playing it. You're ad libbing the game basically. You're just playing it. Right. And you decided to score the first four points, and Ray Allen didn't know that was going to happen. Is that story true or not true? I the whole time, I told Ray I was I wasn't good with my left hand, which I wasn't. Yeah, all I was doing every night was practicing <laughs> left hand every night, two three hours. I'm like, oh man, I don't you know I don't have it. I, I never let him see me practice. Yeah. So if you ever go back and see the movie again, I start first thing I do is start going left. And he doesn't see that coming. He doesn't see it coming. And, and I got lucky. Some shots started going in. Yeah. Then it got good to me. Now I'm starting. Now the New York's coming out of me. Now I'm oh. bragging. <laughs> I, when I, I think I ran around. You did. By the you time did a I lap. ran around twice, I knew I was already done. I'm like, yeah. all right, I'm good. <laughs> he, he, I, you, I could not have gone back to Mount Vernon if he beat me 11 nothing. So he thought he was supposed to be you eleven nothing, and had no idea. You're and I do this. let him think that he was going to beat me eleven nothing. So you rope doped him. I, that's correct. So you, after you made one of them and you do the lap, he actually gets pissed in real life. It seems like <laughs> watch, watch it again, knowing what you know now, and the look on his face. <laughs> he's starting to like. He's starting to look around like what. You know, he doesn't know. He had made movies before, and yeah. I'm not telling him. Right. I'm trying to win. So you were actually. If if you could have kept it going, you would actually try to. If beat I could have won the game, I would have. Right, but then he scored then the he rest. Started of dunking and things changed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but they we wouldn't want to talk about that. And the, what was it like a twenty year age difference at that point too? That probably wasn't helping. Nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, he was, was like a, a baby. He was like twenty one. Yeah, so yeah, he's got to be twenty years difference at least. That's a really fascinating movie to rewatch. And I like it more. I really liked it when it came out. I thought it had a couple issues, but for the most part, I thought it was the only kind of movie like that. But now, 20 years later. Looks old. I'm so, no, I'm so glad it exists. Right. It's really like the only one that really tried to tackle. 
how effed up the whole system is mm. and and it's it's sort of before aau yeah you know what i mean a was just kind of was becoming it just thing, but coming not, in then but not really yeah. what it is now yeah i didn't remember hearing anybody talk about aau or yeah any of that and yeah. it had the people could go right to high school from high school to the pros right to the pros yeah. hanging there and also the money was this is before they had the rookie scale so within three years, you could be making twenty million a year, right. and it's just all these people are coming out. It's a really interesting movie to rewatch, and he's, I think, one of the better ba actor basketball players. I mean, it, uh, look, it's, okay. it's a motley list. <laughs> that's my that's my comment. As a, like like as opposed to who who would be a bad at the that? other basketball players all who the rest acted. Of them? Yeah, Doctor J and Fish that you know, say Pittsburgh. You know, you know who were there was like two or three guys I had to read with at the end, like a final callback. One oh. was Tracy McGrady. What? Tra I don't know if I read well. You got to ask Tracy if you see him, whether I met him or I looked at his tape. I just remembered he didn't ha he hadn't made any money yet. Right. So he had this suit on. I remember the suit being a little shiny, <laughs> like it'd been ironed a lot. Yeah. Tracy McGrady was one of the kids that they were thinking about. That's so funny you had that memory because when, I remember going to Celtics games the year he was a rookie and he and he was hurt. And he wore this suit on the bench and it was like, oh, look how he's so cute. He doesn't have like real NBA money yet. Like he didn't know how to drive. Probably the same suit. He's like suit. 18. He's from South Carolina. Right. He'd been in the league for like seven months. So who do you remember who else? Who else auditioned for that or no? Ray Allen, Tracy McGrady, Stefan Marbury? He, I don't know. Because that was would, Spike and him were friends. Yeah, well, yeah. He had, a bunch of them ended up playing uh, 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 Steph. Uh, uh, what was the guy who played for the Knicks that, that was that was on the uh, – I forgot some of the they, – they Oh, uh, Allen Houston. Allen Houston and a big guy. There was one of the bigger guys, like a power forward kind of size guy. It had to be somebody younger. Maybe like A couple Charles of guys from Kentucky. Oh, Walter McCarty. McCarty. Those, like, those guys are in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you ever go backwards and think about your old movies, or are you just like, on to the next one? No, on to the next one. I don't look back. What happens if you're flicking channels and they come on? Know, you don't I'm pay? Not, it's not like watching not, a whole movie? I'm not going to sit there and watch the rest of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. You know, there's no, like, nostalgia that kicks in? No. Nothing? No. When yeah. did when did that shift? When did you're like I'm here, I belong. I'm just I, going to the, next the, 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 the first time I got the next job, <laughs> that's when that shifted. You know, oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's great, but I'm over here. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. When you had Saint Elsewhere, which is a big show for me, because uh, Austin, the, that's right, Saint Allegius. So, The White Shadow is my favorite show of all time, and Bruce Paltrow, who created that show, did Saint Elsewhere after. And it was set in Boston. Right. So needs to say, big, big hit in my house. But that was your first break, right? No. no. I mean, first, first like Keller. steady job break. No, I had, I had done a, a, I had done, I, I had done a couple of movies. You did Wilma. You did Carbon Copy. Carbon Copy. And, yeah. And and, uh, and some plays and, and a stuff? soldiers play. We won the Pulitzer Prize. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, and we, you know, so yeah, I was on my way. So you knew you take a TV show, but you can also do movies on the side. I didn't know that that was going to work out that way, but I was hopeful. What do you remember about Saint Elsewhere now? Because that was a really influential show. Now we're in the era of like peak TV, and that was kind of the show for. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even want. I haven't seen it, and so it's like all blur. Yeah, that's rearview mirror. Is it true you are? kind of a method actor when you are inhabiting a part you get really into that part and 
there's shades of the character that cross over and you just go deep? Or can you shut it on Who'd and you off? Get that from? I don't know. Yeah, Celebrity yeah, profile. Yeah, it sounds like something you, <laughs> you heard around. Yeah. I don't know. Do research. <laughs> You're a hard guy to figure out. Everybody tries. And that's okay. Why do I? I don't need to be figured out. In order to do what? <laughs> people like knowing more about people celebrities. People care less. <laughs> no, you're wrong on yeah, that. Yeah, people can listen. People care. I, I would say somebody like you, you've been in my life, you know, since the early 80s, but I feel like you people people feel like they know you just from these movies. Like they feel like they're you're part of their life, totally. like, a, like an uncle or something. <laughs> you don't sense that? <laughs> No. <laughs> Wait, I don't. Uncle Denzel. Are you guys with me on this? Uncle Denzel. You were. My staff was the most excited that you were coming on the podcast out of anybody. I mean, you have a lot of. You look like cachet. Well, thank you. You don't see it. You're just going from movie to movie. Well, you're. No, you're living your life. You, I'm not like I'm walking around with 100 people telling me that I'm, you know, my doo doo don't stink. You know what I mean? I'm living. I'm not. I'm not living in some bubble where people talk to me about me or. Right. I'm just. You know. I got to put the garbage out. I got things to get done. At what point in your career did you feel like you could get any movie made? Basically, I'm waiting for that to happen. Oh come on! <laughs> I don't know. I I don't think of it in those terms. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in what's good on the page. It's a good script, and I think it's something I can can, can interpret then. So what 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 would be the checklist? If Are you a, number one? If it's a good one script. one script, number two, who's directing it, or do you worry about that later? Uh, it depends. That that sometimes because the, the director may be attached. Sometimes you, well, it's, no, even if the director's first, the script's always first. It's not like I go, oh, I want to work with. Well, right, that's not true either. If Spielberg said I want to work with you, then I'd say okay. <laughs> you haven't worked with him yet, though, right? No, nah, no, nah, he's never he's never asked. He's never asked? No. Come on, Spielberg. Who else have you not worked with? Have you worked with Leo? DiCaprio? Yeah. No. Nah. I wouldn't work with anyone with the name that ends with O. Oh, that's one of your rules. <laughs> I haven't. Nobody's whose name ends Pacino, DiCaprio, De Niro. Oh, that's right. You haven't done Pacino or De Niro either. Spielberg. <laughs> None of the O's have called. It's all right, though. Well, you and Leo could do a Laker fan drama. Oh, yeah. He's It'd be a, big, a drama he, right he, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's take a quick break from this interview with one of the greatest actors of all time to talk about Audible. They're offering the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet, whether you're hiking, sunbathing, road tripping, enjoying downtime outdoors. Audible lets you fill your summer with more stories like Shoe Dog. My wife listens to Audible in the car when she's driving the kids around because they, you know, they don't really read that many books because they're kids and they have video games and stupid things to do all day. So she forces them to listen to books. She just listened to Shoe Dog, the story of Phil Knight, with the kids in the car. And now they know a ton about Nike. This could be you. From right now until July 31st, Amazon Prime members can get Audible for $4.95 a month for the first three months. Get a credit for any audiobook in the store every month. And if you don't like the one you pick, you can exchange it with no hassle. Plus, your audiobooks are yours to keep forever, even if you cancel. Go to audible.com slash BS or text BS to 500-500 to get started. That is audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash BS or text BS to 500-500. Again, Amazon Prime members get Audible for $4.95 a month for the first three months. It's like getting three months for the price of one. After that, it's only $14.95 a month. The offer ends July 31st. 
2018. And while we're here talking about things that the Simmons family uses, if you're like me and you're not so great at planning ahead, I've got some good news for you. Our friends at Hotel Tonight have an awesome app that help you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute. Book next week tonight or book next month tonight. Hotel Tonight. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe. No long, endless lists of a zillion hotel choices. Hotel Tonight only shows you the best deals at the best hotels. Perfect whether you're a planner or you like to leave things to the very last minute. As you've heard me say many times, I've used it for multiple soccer tournaments in various parts of Southern California. I'm targeting August for the next time I use Hotel Tonight. It's going to happen. With Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program, the more you book, the better the deals get. Unlike other loyalty programs where you're trapped into staying at boring chain hotels, that's not the case here. Start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. Download the Hotel Tonight app right now. Back to the man who once played Jesus Shuttleworth's father, Denzel Washington. I do feel like the Lakers, they kind of stumbled into LeBron. You know, in, the, in, in some of the other eras, like Shaq, like Jerry West, like carved out cap space for him. You know, the Kobe they got, it was a really smart trade. And Will, West, Baylor, all that stuff. But this was the first one where he just wanted to live in LA. And it was a famous franchise. And it didn't really you, matter you, you, you what was their last five years. You think that's years? all it is? What else do you think it is? Tell me. Ask magic. Well, there's some magic too. Yeah, ask magic. It's a little more than that. It's not just that. Well, magic as a mentor, I think, is part of it, right? I think that's a part of it. Yeah. yeah I think that's I agree. And I think it seems like and it, and would be a wise decision. Uh, for I mean, obviously LeBron's doing all right, but right. Magic is a very wise, very smart businessman. For where LeBron, this is why I thought it was going to happen for a year. Where LeBron has wanted to go. And he's been oh, pretty yeah. where, clear about it. Where did you it. think he wanted to go? I thought he was going to go to the Lakers. I've been saying it since last summer. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. it, it was the most logical move for the stages of what his career have been. And mm -hmm. now it seems like he wants to be a billion-dollar billion businessman. And who's better learning from the magic? Has, has left. He's, he's going into year 16, which like Magic played like 11 and a half or 12 and a half. Bird played like 13. Um, Isaiah played like 14. Jordan on and off was like 15. And this, the stuff we see now with these 2010s athletes, I don't even know how to calculate it anymore. Like he, he was really good in year 15. That's, only Kareem has done that, you know? So I, I yeah, don't know how many is that. all the stuff they do now. What's up? Well, that's the thing. himself in the ice cold. The hyperbaric chambers. Hyperbaric, yeah, all that, all that stuff he does. You needed that for he got game. You could have got like right three now. more points. I need it today. I need it tonight <laughs> when, I, when I leave here. The Equalizer too, which I loved. I especially loved that he was, lived in Boston. But you have fight scenes in there. And it's a pretty physical movie. Like, how do you stay in shape now? At the, this the point fight in your life, help you actually. You yeah. know, and the training that you do in preparation. I mean, we probably—I don't remember exactly how many months in advance we started training, but you, two to three days a week, you, you start training with the guys and learning the patterns. And you know, it's physical. Is it all? It's almost like dancing. You're remembering the it patterns is. of the moves. It is. It is. But but it's the it's the as I grab my knee. Yeah. <laughs> It's the twisting it's things that you don't ordinarily do in a normal sport and or repeat over and over and over. Yeah. It's not just like one take. If you throw in one plan, you might have to do that 20 different times, 20 different ways, you know. Well, I was impressed. You fended off a villain in the movie who's in the backseat who has a knife and a gun. 
Mm-hmm. And you just fended it off with the steering yeah, wheel, basically. Maybe. It was like casually. And that was a weekday. It's <laughs> <laughs> a weekday. You should have seen me on Friday. The, I got jokes over here. As you see, I got jokes. Right? <laughs> we, when they came to you with the sequel, were you like, I already did the equalizer? How are we doing this different this time? Um, Todd Black is uh, my, he's the producer and my producing partner. We've done a lot of films together. He developed the equalizer for me. He said, just, you know, when I'm ready, I'm going to give you the script. And I'm telling you, this is the one you should do. Yeah. I said, all right, we'll see. And that was it. He, you know, when he handed it, I read it on a Friday. I called him. I said, when do you want to start? And, you know, we had good success. And here we are uh, again. Do you think about the balance when you're doing projects where it's like, I just did an action movie. I shouldn't right. do another Absolutely. one. I just finished Dice Man Cometh on Broadway. Yeah. Eugene O'Neill. I heard it was great. So to go from, (laughs) I was doing Eugene O'Neill last week. Now I'm talking about jumping off of buildings and kicking. But, you know, I like that. I like being challenged in different ways. And I love the theater. That's actually my first love, not not movies. What other actor has challenged you the most doing a project? competition. No, but just somebody that you felt like, oh, man, I got to raise my game. Because when I had had Ethan Hawke on my podcast, Mm. I would say six weeks ago. And he talked about, he loves you. He talked about mm-hmm. you for a while. And he was like, the first day we did, we did a scene, we did it in a diner and Denzel was just, he had it going. And I felt like I was being blown off the camera for 10 minutes. It was like sink or swim. Mm-hmm. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me as an actor. I'm sure that had, that maybe that hasn't happened to you, but you must vibe with other actors differently, right? I mean, I remember like uh, working with Gene Hackman and just going, man, this is Gene. I'm in the scene with Gene Hackman. Yeah, I'm yeah. standing there looking at him <laughs> and they're shooting and I'm going, that's Gene Hackman over there. Oh, you know. But you get over that, I'm sure, at some point. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, that was years ago. It's got to be the same thing as basketball, right? Where you go into the league and you're like, oh, there's that guy. Oh, I can't believe I'm playing against this guy. And mm-hmm. then eventually you become one of the guys. Yeah. And then everybody's looking at you. Then you the, become yeah. Then used to be one of the, <laughs> unfortunately for sports, uh, you know, doesn't happen to act. See, acting you can you know, you can see like an eighty year old uh, equalizer. <laughs> Where's my teeth? By the way, I'm in for that. If you're if, you, if it's equalizer six, <laughs> I'll beat him with my teeth. Yeah, gum just, him to death. You have a cane? <laughs> you a cane with a little knife it. on the end or ah! something? <laughs> That'll be the trailer. Equalizer seven. Huh? <laughs> then he just walks away. Uh, Malcolm X is a movie that I don't know what's it been twenty six years now, nineteen ninety two. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would say I, you know better than me, but probably the most difficult performance you've had because you've had to, you had to play different incarnations nah, as the movie went on. Wasn't no? Most difficult, no. What was the most difficult? I, I don't look at it that way. Difficult. Everything's a challenge. Listen, you know, th- this is just mo- making movies. It's acting. It's not that. It's not that difficult. Well, Malcolm X was more than that, though. I had done a play about Malcolm X in New York, to tremendous success. One Early in con- your career, right? Yeah, before yeah. ten years before we did the movie, and everyone said, "You are never." You know, people were coming out of war. Muhammad Ali, came, everybody came through. Every Farrakhan, every everybody came through. The Nation of Islam came through. Every, everyone, presidents. This it was. It was. It was like a life-changing moment. I was really? Like, yeah, yeah. I remember sitting across the, the street from the theater, and it was like a 170-seat theater, 150-seat theater, and it's like a 1,000 people a night trying to get in. And I was like, wow, my life is things Ali changing. wasn't waiting, though. Ali was just like, I'm probably, coming in. Yeah, he probably didn't have to wait. 
<laughs> was he the most charismatic guy out of all the celebs? He was one of the ones. I remember when I was very, very young, also in the business, I met James Stewart, Jimmy Stewart. Oh, I was wow. so nervous to meet Jimmy Stewart. We were at the, they used to have those shows at, what is it, Santa Monica Civic Auditorium or something? Right. One of those award shows. And Jimmy Stewart, I'm talking to Jimmy Stewart. And you just get that dumb, like, <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> Did you, how long, you must have started doing the late night shows pretty early, right? Like as soon as uh, your career started to take off, when did you kind of figure out how to just turn it on for these little five, six minute stints? Like when you're going you on like- you say turn it on, turn what on? Well, you just got to go on and you're just, boom. You're. I think you're really good at those, those late night things. Well, it just, you know- do you have to rehearse talking? stories or do you nah, roll up the person? Nah. You no, won't do that. In fact, I, I asked not to do that. I'd I was going to say, be, I can't imagine you fresh. doing that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's like me coming in here and we've already gone through all the questions. I don't want to know. You ask the question, I'll, I'll answer it. I still have questions. Oh, that's fine. Remember I'm the sure Titans? I still have answers. Remember the Titans? No, I don't remember. <laughs> I told you I got answers. You've only done that one and he got game for sports movies as far as I can tell, right? Am I hurricane. forgetting something? Hurricane. Oh, Hurricane. Yeah, yeah. Is that it? I think that's it. I, I enjoy remember the I feel like it's like one... every frustrated football coach and father. You know, that was the, the I, now I'm the coach. Yeah, and I yeah, read yeah. the script and we're going to win and I know it. That's a movie that <laughs> And has... I can say anything I want. <laughs> that's a movie that has legs, but also has legs on NBA arenas on the Jumbotron. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, here's a steal. In that movie, I say to one of the kids, I said, you're killing me, Petey. You're killing me. There's some footage from old NFL films. And it was a guy named Whitey. And one of the coaches or something yells, I said, you're killing me, Whitey. You're killing me. I don't know what coach says that. <laughs> but I actually stole it from watching one of those NFL film Oh, for shows. the NFL films yeah, with the yeah. music? Yeah. yeah. Um, your son is an actor now on Ballers. Did you know he was going to be an actor or was that a surprise? Um. I knew he was talented. Yeah, but you you never know what a, you know what a kid wants to do, and and he he was pursuing football and and got quite far, you know, as far as the St. Louis Rams. Yeah, yeah. So once I saw him up there, I was like, God, what have I done? Got this kid into this? I yeah. didn't I didn't know he was going to get that far. Yeah, I'm figuring you know a little Pop Warner, you know, eight year old league, move on. But it was so violent. I was like, I, I couldn't believe how violent it was. I remember I called him. He was in training camp his rookie year. And he said, Dad, it's violence. I said, it's violent? He said, no, Dad, not violent. Violence is just violence. He said, I ran the other day, or I ran, and nobody's feet were on the ground. He said, everybody was flying, trying to get a job. You know, you got 200 guys trying to get 40-something right. jobs. So he used to get like, well, what are you doing out here? You know, your dad's this. So that was his chip on his shoulder. Right. Oh, he hated Proving that. them wrong. Oh, he hated it. He want to break your leg for saying that. That usually goes the wrong way. That's actually a good way. That's good that it went that way. Were you, what were you like as a sports parent? What were you like in the stands? You know what I was like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> get a ball. Give him the ball. Yeah. Go give him the ball. Give it to my son. You probably could have intimidated the coaches. Good. <laughs> Did he play hoops too or no? Yeah, he played. He played a little basketball. His, his brother uh, was was a little better at basketball. In fact, they they won the whole championship. But his, his 
brother had a had a good team. He played with the, the kid that made the Lakers, uh, Darius Morris. Oh yeah, Darius yeah. Morris and my son Malcolm were the two starting guards for their high school team, and uh, they won the state championship. Do that, you do you other than Laker games? Do you go to sporting events or you stay away? Uh, not, not so much lately. You MSG know, Knicks. When my kids were playing, yeah, then you're going. You know, MSG Knicks, or you just you're waiting until they get good again. Did you say again? The Knicks. Well, I haven't seen them. You're staying away. I just. Um, yeah, I bet I, you were there for Ewing and Oakley and all those all those guys. No, I was out. You know, I was here. I was living out here then. I was living out here then. So so. Uh, I mean, I was following them. Yeah. You know, and hoping that uh, you know Jordan would get sick or something. <laughs> That's all you could do was hope he got sick so somebody else could win. <laughs> but you were friends with him, though, right? No, no, we're not. We're not. Close. I mean, I met him. I don't. I There's a story I heard that he gave you and Ray Allen the only Air, Air Jordan. No, you and Spike Lee the only Air Jordan 13s on the set he got game, and Ray Allen didn't have them. That's on the internet. Yeah. I don't know if that's I true. I wonder if I still have them. Well, I think they were like the early, early preview ones. I don't know. I don't know. No? I don't know about that one. They're in the closet I have some, somewhere. I, yeah, I do have some new, I have some brand new ones in there. They might be in the closet Yeah, somewhere. I have some new ones that I've never worn. So what's next for you? Dinner. What are your next projects? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, actually. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm unemployed. You got some? You're unemployed? I'm unemployed. So we need to come up with a movie for you? I'm going to be a sports announcer for the Celtics. What do you think? I think it's either a sports announcer or a basketball coach. You did the football coach. Now do the the basketball coach who's from a different generation who doesn't really understand where this league is going. And these guys are too selfish. I like that. Keep Back going. Back in my day. Right. Yeah. But Back then in my now day. there's a new prodigy. We're going to call it that, too. Back in my Back day. Back in my day. Yeah, you're just telling people, Back in my day, we didn't put up with this bullshit. And then the new prodigy comes That's out. That's what my son says. Dad, anybody I bring up, oh, he ain't no good. He ain't. <laughs> Who is our bum? Dad, he led the league in sword. <laughs> ah, he's lucky. Never happened again, did it? <laughs> Who are your favorite players to watch now other than LeBron? Kawhi. You know, I, I, my youngest son, Malcolm, Played on his team, uh, Windward, and as I said with Darius, and they won the state championship. And they Windward a, in L.A. Windward. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He played. Yeah, we know Windward. Yeah, that's yeah, my yeah. daughter's school. Is right near yeah, there. Right yeah, there. That's a great sports school. Yeah, yeah. What's what's cool? Right. She goes to the Willows, which is yeah, right yeah, next right to there. there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, and 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 they had a game, and it was a second game, and it was a school called King Riverside. Yeah. That was playing a team, I think, from Atlanta. And I remember it because that night they said, there's a young man who's playing tonight. His father had been killed. So we had a moment of silence for him. And it was the kid's name was Kawhi Leonard. And he had about 29 points and 27 rebounds. Oh, my God. And I figured, oh, wow, this kid's inspired by, you know, losing his dad and what a game. And we, no one knew, oh, no, he'll be able to do that for the next 20 years. Yeah, seriously. It was quiet, very quiet. I remember he was just very shy. Oh, now he's so, he's so loud now. Yeah. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard. King, I think it was King Riverside he played for. With Him and LeBron together would be really interesting because I don't, I think Kawhi loves being on good teams but doesn't want kind of the burden of being the night-to-night -night star and the right. voice of the team. Like when you're, when you're in a good team, you also have to be the voice of it to some degree and be the public face of it. I don't think he wants any of that. They I think he just wants to play who? shooters, though. They do. Can I didn't like their Golden signings. State shoots threes from half court all night. I know. 
So it doesn't matter how well you score the basket, score two point baskets, if they're scoring three. You would nineteen year old you would not have liked this era of NBA of bombing twenty five footers. Nobody goes to the hole anymore. Yeah, nobody goes to the hole anymore. That's true. Do you like you like the three point or the two point era more? Just as a fan, because some people love question. the way they play it now. It's it seems more open now. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you look back at some of the old, you know. It's very cluttered. It's very cluttered yeah. and, you know, slow. And in, it was an inside out. The game truly now is outside in. It's yeah. Not, it's not inside out. I mean, you, you look at what's happened just in, the, and I'm not knocking him, but in the time that Dwight Howard's been in the league. Yeah. It's gone from an inside out league to an outside, to where he's almost. He has no position. He has no position. By the way, it's okay to knock Dwight Howard. Ah, he's a, he's a. <laughs> the, the thing that was the hardest thing for me to adjust to this decade was fast breaks with the guys on the wings going out, out instead of toward the basket. Right. And I still am not totally used to it. And that's just how everyone, and then if you go and you watch high school now, that's what they do. That's in high what school. they're doing. Yeah. Because remember the old 11 man drill where it was just like three on two right, right. constantly? And it, all of it was about trying to get layups. And now I think 11 man, they just veer to the corners. Right. Jack up threes. Right, right. I would make threes illegal until like 10th grade if I was the sports czar. Don't even take them. Learn how to play without the three until you're 16. Then you can jack, jack them up for the rest of your life. And, if you and dads would start putting their kids in AAU teams and not playing in high school. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and have to do it for AAU too. Although yeah. AAU has bigger yeah. problems, yeah. I think. Well, are they having problems now, AAU teams? Well, yeah, I think it's. I don't know. I'm out of all of that. Not, not a huge fan of the uh, AAU. So when you go to these games, do the players talk to you during the games? Like you're sitting courtside or wherever you're sitting. You, do they you, seek you, you out and you, talk no, to you? Not seek me out. I'll, 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 excuse me. It depends upon when I get there. But, uh, you know, you get the. Get the nod? Yeah, you get the. You know, I'm busy right now, D. I can't act like a fan, you know, especially the other teams. You know, they come to town. You get the. Right. You know. It's all good. And that's it? Nobody talks shit to you from the other team? You've never had a Spike Lee, Reggie Miller moment? It's, Spike's, no, he's a willing participant. He loves talking. <laughs> you know, I went to the game with him. I'm like, man, sit down. Sit down, man. He's a fan. He's, I tell you what, though. I liked his book. They love him in New York, man. Oh, yeah. We left the garden. I'm like, where's the car? He's like, mm, car, we're going to go get the train. They love Spike. How many times you work with them? Four? Inside uh, Band, some, Mo Better yeah, Blues, better. Malcolm X, He Got Game. Is that it? Yeah. So you guys are due. Call them up. Tell them. Don't tell me. One tell more. Them. You got you to do an NBA one. You have to. You got to do one basketball one. About how the Knicks beat the hell out of Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> you got don't get quiet now. That would be, but that's the thing. That would be a, a, a science fiction movie. That would be a movie. A fantasy movie, yeah. right? <laughs> the only way that would happen is in a movie. The funny thing is the Knicks, the Knicks have been really terrible for 70 years. What's wrong? When you think about two titles in 70 years, it's the biggest city in the world. All the players that have come out of there, they were first. It's kind of impossible. I think they've made the finals like four times. You know, and now destinations don't mean what they, no. doesn't mean anything. You know, maybe LA because of the entertainment in industry a bit more for those like a LeBron or somebody that's interested yeah, he's in He's pretty that. unique though. Yeah, he's unique. I think two things that changed this decade the most. One was the the player empowerment and the players just flipping the switch and the players are now in control of the league in a way that 
we've never seen. The other one is it doesn't really seem to matter where they play. Like Westbrook is one of the four most popular guys in the league, and he's in Oklahoma City. You know, yeah, but he's a beast. He's unique. Yeah, we want to see him. When, right. I mean, we don't get to see that many Milwaukee home games with Giannis. That's but what I'm saying. You don't. But when Giannis you, gets there, I think you'll see yeah. Giannis. Yeah. I just think about what it was like when I was growing up. Like I, I saw the Iceman and George Gervin like seven times in my life. You know, like three times in Boston and four times on TV, and that was my experience with him. Unless they made the playoffs, I don't know. I'm jealous of all the people now. They just basketball at, the, at their fingertips. You want to talk Yankees, Red Sox? 23, 24, 25. How are we doing this year? I'll tell you this. You, you need pitching. Fenway, That's how you're doing. No, I'm at Boston. Fenway is the one of the most beautiful parks. Thank you. You, you, you know, when I went, I, I, I was the first equalizer. I went to a game. And I realized why they call those parks ballparks. Yeah. Wrigley Field. No, not Wrigley. Uh, Wrigley Field. Field. Cubs play. Yeah, Wrigley yeah. Field. Who else has a ballpark? It's it's really Fenway those park. two. No, isn't there some, one? Isn't there another? Camden Yards, Camden Yards is kind of like that, I guess. There's another old one. Pac Bell is no, newer, no, but old, old. No, it's not another, 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 another old one. No, they got rid of all of them. Yeah, I'm actually sad they got rid of Yankee Stadium. I know they made the facsimile robot Yankee right, Stadium, right? But right. I don't. know. I like the old one. The sitting in the third deck where it's like when you walk down, you might just fall over and fall to your death. Like I, It was harrowing up there. I was in Chicago one year doing, I think I was going to do the Oprah Winfrey show, and we rode past Wrigley Field. So I told the driver, pull over. Yeah. And a guy was out there. I said, sir. He said, yeah, come on in, Denzel. Everybody always wants to come in. You want to see the <laughs> Ivy, don't you? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so I ran in. Now I'm running around. <laughs> I didn't slide. There's nobody in there but me and the guy that's opened the gate. And yeah. I'm running around, I'm bouncing into the the, the ivy. <laughs> you know, you're a kid. But what tripped me out was how small the dugouts were. Yeah. And that, they're really, I mean, they're like little tiny. Everyone was tiny back then. I guess. Everyone was like 5'8". were little and funky. Yeah. Little funky dugouts. Fenway is one of those things when you walk in, it really is genuinely amazing. Magic, yeah. You see that wall and it's like, oh my the God, this monster. is like a sports movie. I like, I'm excited the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry is back. Because I, I think it got it got really fun there during the Pedro Manny versus Jeter and all those guys mm -hmm. era. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of slowed down. And now this year, there's a lot of talent on both sides. Good. They need, like, baseball needs it. Sports needs it. Yeah, I'm a little worried about baseball. Been doing, we've been talking about that on my Has podcast. Has it been going down? The, the attendance is going down. The I think with people under 30 who are now, it's the whole ADD generation. And they, it's, it's too just, slow. Huh? It's too slow. And I don't know how you fix it. Basketball is like perfect. Even yeah. soccer has really gained steam. You know, That's people are really into the World Cup. Like, I never thought that would happen. But baseballs, it seems that the demo is getting older and older. It's in that equalizer six. And, 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 and you know, because they're not neighborhood teams like they used to, you know, right. there's not as much of the local fan base that's going to go all the time to go see their Yankee. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's expensive. It's expensive. It's super expensive. Got to pay Was for it 200 parking. bucks a day? Or? No, it's freaking expensive. And you got to pay for the parking. It's six hours. $10 hot dogs. I think one of the things that ruined it, though, is the TVs are nicer. And you can just, I can watch the Red Sox at home on a nice TV in the HD. And it's like, why don't you do the game? I remember I'm right year, here. I went to the, uh, 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 the a World Series game at Yankee Stadium. 
And the place, I don't know, this is the old Yankee Stadium, and it holds, whatever, it holds 75,000, but there must have been 120,000 people in there. There wasn't one cop or fireman working in New York City. It was like game six of oh the World Series. And there was, you couldn't move. Every cop, every fireman, every, everybody was in uniform. Yeah. They all came because they can get it for free. <laughs> it was crazy. Standing room only. Yeah, it was standing room only. It was so New York. Where's your is your base California or New York? California, but at home. Yeah, you mix it up. All right, this was fun. My pleasure. Good man. luck on the movie. Thank you. I'm glad the guy was based in Boston. That really meant a lot to me. I'm glad we finally got you and something. Thanks for coming up. Before we go, I wanted to talk. I wanted to call my friend Nathan Hubbard to talk about the Yacht Rock concert at the Hollywood Bowl on Saturday night. Yacht Rock's on Channel 70 on Sirius. I DJed for them a summer ago. And some are saying it was the greatest hour guest DJ stint anyone's ever had on Sirius. I don't know if that's true. That's just what people were saying. We're going to talk about Yacht Rock with Nathan in a second. But first, becoming a successful business owner doesn't just happen. It takes hard work. And you really can't afford to let anything get in your way. When it comes to all the details and regulations, you need someone that has your back. That someone is LegalZoom.com. LegalZoom was created 17 years ago with a mission to help all Americans confidently and competently navigate the legal system. Since then, over a million people have trusted LegalZoom for business formation. But your relationship with LegalZoom hardly ends there. LegalZoom put together a network of independent attorneys licensed in every state, available to answer your questions, provide legal advice for your business without billing by the hour. Because as a business owner, you have enough to worry about without getting bogged down by legal stuff. For that, there's LegalZoom.com. Go to LegalZoom.com now. Use promo code BS at checkout for special savings. LegalZoom, where life meets legal. LegalZoom.com. And since we're here, let's talk about our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. Hey, when you're buying a home, it could be one of the most important purchases you'll ever make. But today's fluctuating interest rates can leave you with higher payments, turning a great experience into an anxious one. That's why Quicken Loans created their exclusive power buying process. They check your income, assets, and credit to give you a verified approval so you have the strength of a cash buyer. Once verified, you qualify for their exclusive rate shield approval. They'll lock your interest rate down for 90 days, up to 90 days. If rates go up, your rate stays the same. If rates go down, you get to keep the lower rate. Either way, you win. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Bill Simmons. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records. Data? 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 Data. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. All right, we'll call my friend Nathan. All right, on the line right now, ringer intern Nathan Hubbard, who, uh, long-storied music career. He's been on this podcast many times. Where he wasn't on Saturday was at the Hollywood Bowl for what oh. could best be called the Yacht Rock reunion concert. I went with my wife. I didn't know about it until the night before. I love Yacht Rock. It's cha it's Channel 70 on Sirius. I ride or die with Yacht Rock. I feel like Michael McDonald is the key person in Yacht Rock. It was Christopher Cross, Kenny Loggins, and Michael McDonald. What, so I, I called you on Friday. Other than you're you're trapped on the East Coast on a family summer vacation. I don't know what the hell you're doing. But what was your reaction when I heard when you heard this was the last stop for the Yacht Rock tour and you were going to miss out completely? 
what casino is Christopher Cross going to play the next night? <laughs> I think that's I think that's actually true. He is playing casinos. He, he, he is. All three of them went back to the casino circuit the very next night, independently. I will tell you that Hollywood Bowl was packed to the gills. How, how many does it hold? Like 18,000, 20,000? Yes, tw- 20. I might have been like, the, my wife was like the seventh youngest person there. I was like the 10th youngest person there. It was, it was bougie, old LA people. And it was glorious. It was everything I wanted. It started out with Christopher Cross came out and he needs backup singers now to hit some of the, some of the keynotes to, to his classics. What I respected was he only played four songs. He had basically had four hits, right? Banged yeah. out the four hits, and that was Never it. Never be the same. Sailing, Arthur's theme, and ride like the wind. Yeah, and let's hit the craps table. Yeah, comes out, seemed relatively sad, but but also happy because he was playing in a whole bunch of pe- in front of a whole bunch of people. He was a massive musical artist. I would say about thirty six years ago, and the sailing has really been the iconic yacht rock song. I would say so. Um. Saves Listen, right. Christ- Christopher is Christopher is the the guy. You know, video killed the radio star. That is Christopher Cross. <laughs> right. Like he has a body built for radio. He has a voice built for radio. And and the video era just it, it just filleted him. He just could not get over the hump. Yeah, he looks like a pit boss at not even a casino in Vegas, like in the outskirts, like in Prim, Nevada. He's, yeah. he's like the night shift pit boss. That's that's the vibe that he had. But I'll tell you this. After he played the first three, actually the third one I think was Sailing and the 60 plus year old guy next to me, the riffs of Sailing start and the guy goes, here we go. Very excitedly. It, it was pretty great. But uh, so after Sailing does Ride Like the Wind and he's like, I'd like to introduce my good friend, Michael McDonald. And McDonald comes out, the crowd goes crazy. He, you know, Michael McDonald, it's, it's been a while since since the glory days. It's been about, what, 36, 37 years? I, I, I disagree with you. I think he's the best. But what was the problem? He's, he's looking rough. He's sounding rough. Does not look rough. Uh, he's He oversings now a little bit. That, yeah, that way he's, he sort of plays the character a little bit. Yeah, he's definitely like really belting it out. He's kind of singing out of the side of his mouth now, like Sly Stallone. He's still eating the microphone. He's which, putting his gut into it now, which he, he didn't always have to do. But it was still great. So he comes out. They do Ride Like the Wind. Crowd goes nuts. He leaves. Change. Kenny Loggins comes out, who is somewhere between 70 and 90. I don't know the exact age. Looks fantastic. I don't know. I don't know if he had work done, but if he did, congrats. He looks like Lee Greenwood now. He said someone's work done. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you, great stage presence still. And the ladies love Kenny Loggins. And uh, you know, as you point out, well, do do your riff about his eighty sits. Well, so Kenny, I, I have two riffs. One is that Kenny is the only guy who really went from the soft, wussy, like, 70s, like, pre-Yacht Rock singer-songwriter yeah, to dead in the middle of leading the Yacht Rock parade to actually making it into bona fide 80s music. And that's something we need to talk about is, is what actually made the transition. House of Pooh Corner was 1971. This Is It was 1979. And Danger Zone was 86. There's almost nobody 
who actually put out hits that long and survived the three whitest eras, like whitest eras in American music. So did, good, good on good on him. But the craziest thing wait, about did Kenny you mention is, did you mention Footloose? Exactly because he had three uh, hits for three of the like greatest eighties Amer- like movies ever. Right, Caddyshack. Yeah. Footloose, Top Gun. I don't know that there's anyone in the history of music who's written besides like. John Williams with the Star Wars stuff. Like, nobody's written three massive hit songs for three massive, huge movies like that, ever. He also, I have a vague memory of This Is It being the theme song of the 1980 Winter Olympics. Is that possible? <laughs> I don't know. The Russians. No, Russians no. Probably just, I, this is Lake I've Placid. No this is the one we yeah, won. Exactly. But, I think, the, but the, the, the Russians, that, that, the hockey memory takes over for me. I can't remember Kenny Loggins. So he came out, he sang a couple old school 70s songs, moved into the Yacht Rock era a little. And at this point, I'm really focused on on a Stevie Nicks introduction. Right? Because you want her to show up. Yeah, and, and Whenever I Call You Friend, I think is one of the best 10 to 12 Yacht Rock songs ever. Stevie's not coming within 20 square miles of that gig. I, I, he does not want to be locked in. I wonder, well, I wonder if they even performed that song, though. Because I think there's some bitterness about she got she was it was supposed to be somebody else and at the last second that person couldn't do it and Stevie got brought in and maybe they cut her out of the uh, cut her out of the royalties or maybe maybe she got a bad deal. You're or telling whatever. me Stevie has a beef with a fellow musician? I'm shocked. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. She probably put a curse on Kenny Loggins. So anyway, and, they and, didn't and sing Lindsay, that. And Lindsay Buckingham. Oh, the list can keep going. She turned 70 recently, by the way. Happy birthday to Stevie. I still want you on my podcast. So instead of introducing Stevie, he introduces his good friend, Michael McDonald, who comes back out <laughs> and sings, this is it. And I got to say, uh, it was great. And I just don't know if anyone has ever, has ever just kind of come in as the backup Robert Horry slash type on, on songs better than Michael McDonald, with the possible exception of Nate Dogg. Is there anyone else you can think of? He is the greatest backup singer of all time. There is an awesome SCTV sketch yes. where Rick Moranis <laughs> plays Michael McDonald <laughs> doing the backup part on Ride Like the Wind. Yeah. You know, YouTube it, where he just like runs in off the street out of his like Oldsmobile and just gets in the studio in time to sing that part and then blazes off to his next thing. He is the greatest backup singer of all time. And and it is shown as well in the Grizzly Bear tune, While You Wait for the Others, where they brought him in like four years ago to sing backup on that song. And then they talked him in for the B-side to singing the actual lead track. And it is badass. It is one of the best recordings that I've heard in the 2010s. It, go listen to it. I left out uh, the crowd at this thing, not just, not just the age of the crowd, but the, the people who are a little bit younger who were there. I was kidding when I, I said I was in the top 10. There were people in their 30s and 40s there. Come on. There was a lot of, a lot of yacht captain hats. People were dressed up like, like yacht people. They were, what are those white, those white yacht caps that people wear? What are those called? I, I imagine, I imagine that it was like a Trump rally, except like progressive people in white hats instead of, Red hat. Yeah, it was a liberal Trump rally. The people were wearing the blue blazers with the white polos and the hats, and really Did like they get uh, getting into time it. for Christopher Cross, or was it like was it so sad he was playing to an empty Hollywood? Bowl? No, no, no. People were there. It start. It said it started at seven, but it really started at eight. So Kenny killed I, it. 
That's I, like what you tell your grandfather for Thanksgiving dinner so he sure. shows up 15 minutes late. Well, Pete, you can bring your own food when it's a Hollywood Bowl sanctioned event. So a lot of people brought like their own wine and, and food and stuff like that. Highest and, Chablis consumption per capita of any event of the year at the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. You can bring in your own edibles, whatever, whatever, you, whatever floats your boat. Um, so, so here's the thing. Here's the other thing that we need to talk about with Yacht Rock. So when Anthony Bourdain died, did you see Questlove's playlist? Yes. It was like 600 so songs. 600, right. Cause he was in the kitchen with Bourdain one time. Bourdain was playing Billy Joel or, or Billy Joel came on and Bourdain banned it. He's like, I don't know Yacht Rock in the kitchen. First of all, is Billy Joel Yacht Rock? No. Question number one. No. Nope. But number two, when, when Bourdain died, Questlove made a 600-song, what he called Yacht Rock playlist, designed to posthumously convince Bourdain that Yacht Rock is really awesome. And first of all, when Questlove is carrying the torch for Yacht Rock, you know it's for real. But that playlist contains everything from, like, Bonnie Raitt, I Can't Make You Love Me. That's not Yacht Rock. To all the way back to, like, Michael Jackson Rock With You. So Questlove has a very, very broad definition of what Yacht Rock is. Mine would be significantly narrower. I don't think Billy Joel makes it. No, God, no. I I did this when I did the guest DJ stint. So the people that actually created the phrase Yacht Rock haven't even a thinner definition of it. Mine's a little looser. It, for me, it's like, first of all, it has to be able to be played on a boat. I think is the number one thing. If it doesn't make sense on a boat, and not a boat that's going like 60 miles an hour, but like... It's kind of cruising. It's heading back toward the dock. People, everyone's on their second bottle of wine. You're not sure if the guy driving it might actually crash into the dock on his way there. And this, and the sweet, Basically soothing, a typical Saturday for you. Yeah, and the sweet, sweet, soothing sounds of Michael McDonald are kind of playing yeah. as everybody's just kind of hoping the guy can get the boat in the dock without knocking the dock over. That's right. one. Two is I feel like McDonald has to be in every three to three and a half songs. Right. So if it's if it's like a yacht rock two hour marathon, and three three more than three songs go by without Michael McDonald, some somebody's done something wrong. So, and then wait, wait hold on, one more third yeah, one. Yeah, there's a huge, huge, huge difference between '70s soft rock and set the '70s singer songwriter rock and yacht rock. Yeah, you know, and the people that run the yacht rock station, God bless them. They Fucking don't. air supply is not yacht rock. It's no. just not. No. Simon and Garfunkel is not yacht rock. Billy Joel is no. not yacht rock. That's no. we have we have seventy soft rock as a category for those people. That's not yacht rock. Yacht Rupert R- Holmes escape Pina Colada. That Pina Colada song that is yacht rock. And that the, the other terrible Rupert Holmes song, the phone line song, whatever that song is. Yeah. What song is that? That song. That song's yacht rock. Bad songs have to be considered yacht rock too, but. You know, the the funny thing with there, there's more Michael McDonald songs that don't even really get get thrown into the Yacht Rock mix like they should. Like I got to try and one step closer, like some of those Doobie Brothers. Um, it's I, to me, the iconic Yacht Rock performance is on YouTube. It is the Doobie Brothers farewell concert in San Diego. They did two of them. Farewell and, before we do our next farewell well, this is when, when in the early '80s, when somebody said it was a farewell concert, and then yeah. the Irving Azoff method for <laughs> making bands last. We actually, we actually thought it was the last time we'd see these people, not knowing that they would be back a year later. This is what you two should have been doing since 2005. But this concert, 
I think Michael McDonald might actually be wearing a white a white linen shirt, and he's just banging out. And there there's all the doobies there and backup singers, and it is absolutely extraordinary. And unfortunately for me, when he came out for this concert on Saturday, like, you know, it's it's he's at a different stage of his career. He's it, it, this is something you and I have argued about a lot. Whether it's worth it to see your idols well after their prime, you know, like if, if you offered me the choice to see Larry Bird and Magic Johnson play basketball right now, I would go, but I would be disappointed because they're old men at this point. But if they played right now and they were 50 to 60% as good as they were in their peaks, that actually might be worth it as an experience. And I think the closest thing we have to this with sports is golf. Like when my dad and I went to the masters, we went to the par three and Jack Nicholson and Gary Player and Tom Watson were all playing together and they all birdied this par three and it was awesome. There's that's the only sport where that can happen. You are more forgiving with older people continuing to play music. You, it doesn't bother you as much, right? Well, because at this point they're basically just playing to a backup track, right? Yeah. Like Paul McCartney shows are still awesome, even though he's like 80. Yeah. Uh, that said, I'm not sure that I want to go see the Elton John, you know, last farewell tour because I don't think Elton can sing anymore. And hasn't been able to for 20 years. And I look, I watched three hours of periscopes of the Friday and Saturday night yacht rock shows. So I, I, I'm with you that Michael doesn't totally have his voice, but he's still, I mean, he was still bringing fire throughout that entire show. Yeah. He brings the energy. I agree. Yeah. And certainly, like more than Kenny and and Christopher Cross can sing, so I, I, I'm still in on Michael McDonald. I'm still in too. I think I had spent so much time in the late '70s and early '80s with them. You forget that people are now 35 years older. I, yeah. It is interesting though. I I think Billy Joel has kept his voice the most of all the people that we grew up with. Um, he's, yeah, he cheats a little bit though. In concert, he like transcribes pieces lower. He's he's playing them now in in much lower keys. Well, that's the move. Try to fool you. That's what Michael McDonald was doing too. He, the lower stuff he could really hit. The higher stuff that you really have to belt out was having a little trouble yeah, with. He but, now either he either has to transcribe it down or punch himself in the balls for three hours before the show. <laughs> he did not play "You Belong to Me." I think that that the girl he wrote that about might have might have sued him or something. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part was that he came out and said. Tonight, we're going to dedicate this to love because love lasts forever. And then two songs later, he played, I keep forgetting we're not in love anymore. <laughs> That's the thing. And, th- and this is why I want to do the podcast with him so badly. I want to know if it was one person who completely destroyed him emotionally or whether it was a variety of women. But this is a guy who wrote, uh, minute by minute, I'll be holding on. What a fool believes. I keep forgetting we're not in love anymore. I can let go now. It was whoever, whoever destroyed him, destroyed him in an almost apocalyptic way. Well, I thank them profusely because it has enhanced my musical enjoyment over the past however many years he's been singing. So uh, here, here is the best moment of the night. And I don't know if the audience agreed with me, but he has a song called I Can Let Go Now. And if you ever watched uh, China Beach, anybody? China Beach, late 80s show, Dana Delaney, no? Dana Delaney. It had this unbelievable uh, season finale where the characters are all like 30 years older. 
and they go to the uh, the wall in Vietnam to see the names, and they they just do the whole Michael McDonald song. And hold on, I'm gonna, I'm finding the lyrics. I know you know the lyrics, but so they're playing. The, he's playing on Saturday night. He's got the orchestra. He's got the yeah. Hollywood Bowl orchestra. And this song actually has, is an orchestra kind of song. And the lyrics go, I'm going to read you the whole lyrics. I don't care if the uh, audience, the audience is it. either turned off. It was so right. It was so wrong. Almost at the same time. This is a guy in deep, deep pain. The pain and ache a heart can take. No one really knows. When the memories cling and keep you there till you no longer care and you can let go now. Oh, Kyle's welling up. It's wrong for me to cling to you. Somehow I just needed time from what was to be. It's not like me to hold somebody down, but here we go. Here's the key part. But I was tossed high by love. I almost never came down only to land here where love's no longer found where I'm no longer bound. And I can let go now. And then that's it. It's an emotional song. He plays this in front of 20,000 people with the orchestra Wearing captain's hats. Wearing captain hats. And almost all of them are like, what the fuck's going on right now? And then there was a select few like me was was like, oh my God, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I can't believe he's going here. I still think he's thinking about that lady. Whoever whoever the I can let go now lady. I think, I think when Facebook came around in 2006, 2007, he probably friended her. He reconnected. May, yeah, maybe there are a couple DMs back and forth, and and now he's just monitoring her Facebook, even though she's like in her in her mid fifties, living in Monterey or mid sixties. But uh, amazing moment! I wish you were there for that one. I think you would have liked it. I wish I was there for the whole thing, but thank God for technology. I watched every song both nights uh, <laughs> uh, on the internet, so I, I was with you in spirit. So it ended with uh, "What a Fool Believes," the iconic. Iconic isn't even a strong enough word. Doobie Brothers song and one of the Yacht Rock Pinnacle songs. And he, he kicked a verse to Kenny. Kicks a verse to Kenny. Kenny comes out and tries to bring the energy. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, here's Christopher Cross. And he came out. And it was a Yacht Rock jam. It was a Yacht Rock orgy. And that's how we ended the concert. Him, they didn't give him a verse, right? They just gave him no. a guitar solo. They gave him a guitar solo and uh, and some extra cash. They gave him like 40 bucks. Yeah, Extra Christopher to come Cross out. is, unfortunately, he's like the guy in Beavis and Butthead who always wore the wing shirt, or like Merman in, in the He-Man <laughs> cartoon. He's the guy that nobody really wanted to hang out with, but knew a little bit too much about music, and so we let him hang around. Poor Christopher I Cross. so bad for Christopher. So this is what I realized at this concert, because they filled it to the gills. 20,000 people, and I actually got tickets on uh, on Seeky, because I found out 24 hours before the concert, this is where SeatGeek really shines. And, you know, there were no tickets. So what I'm thinking is, I don't know what is stopping Yacht Rock Palooza at this point. There's more people, right? Robert Palmer can come and, and sing his two his two songs and we just, no. he, we can bring back- Now our, you're out over your skis. No, it's Rupert called, Holmes. It's called Yacht Rock because of Southern California sailing culture. And you just saw a show in- Southern California, where the artists went back to playing 2,000 seat or 1,500 seat casinos. No, the next night. but th this thing, I'm I'm going the other way. I'm thinking big. I'm thinking 
we get like 12, 13 of these acts together and it's like a six hour jam that you do it at the Hollywood Bowl, then you do it in San Diego, you do it in Monterey, you just go like a four. Oh, but by the way, you're not going to that? You're not going I'm to that. I'm going to that, but I think it's just you and me. No, and, it's and not. Bottles of Chardonnay. Just no. Think about like how hard would the announcer have to work for that concert? It's like Eric Carman, <laughs> Rupert Holmes, <laughs> Starland Vocal Band, One Night Only. First of all, you're just you're just being a tough guy right now. You would be at Yacht Rock Palooza in five seconds. No, I am going to be there. I'm just suggesting it's not the best business model for the promoter. Are we inviting Toto to Yacht Rock Palooza? Toto is absolutely in. Toto was the last great Yacht Rockers. I think the cutoff is Michael Jackson's Thriller album, which <laughs> came out in November of 1982. Toto came out, Toto's Africa album, which is 100% Yacht Rock, came out like two months before that. That was the last great Yacht Rock album. Our Michael Hall- Jackson's Thriller album changed music everything after is 80s music as far as i'm concerned are we inviting hollow notes yes you make my dreams is number two or three on the list of yacht rock songs behind of course every michael mcdonald song one-on-one rich girl sarah smile yes they're all in but peter satara singing glory of love no that no is that's not music. in that's 80s music oh hold on chuck mangione just rsvp'd he's available I can't imagine. What about player? <laughs> Baby, come back. Yeah. Yeah. They're in, See, uh, you know, listen, if super tramp, not invited, I think of them as seventies music. If, if, uh, if the, if anyone listening who has the power to do this, to put a concert like this together, if they're listening, I'm just telling you the audience is there. The only person who could do it is Michael McDonald, obviously, because they all come through. You know, uh, I will say Danger Zone, pretty Here's good. Kanye of the late 70s. <laughs> Danger Zone, pretty good in concert, by the way. <laughs> you can't dance to it. I couldn't believe he didn't close with it until I went, because he went, he he did I'm All Right, then Danger Zone, then he closed with Footloose. And I was like, what? Danger Zone's a bigger song. But then I saw him on stage, and man, the geriatric moves to, foot, to, to, to Danger Zone just did not work. I'm glad he closed with Footloose, so he could at least do the little dance on stage. The- Live, you gotta, you got to finish with Footloose. The other classic for me was the people next in the little box next to us who brought Sea Smoke and uh, Silver Hill and just brought, brought like all these A-list wine bottles and started talking to us. And the guy confessed to us that in 1985, he did tequila shots with Kenny Loggins at the Grammys. It's great. What else would I want from a night out with my wife than stories like that and in the sight of Christopher Cross? It was really magical. I, I wish you had gone. I, I'm I am so mad that I didn't. And next time, I need to know more than 24 hours before a show. Yeah. All right. So Yacht Rock Channel, Channel 70. I am available for for Labor Day yet again. I'll even bring Nathan as my co-host, and Let's we can and we can bang out. And we want to do two hours this time, not one. Don't don't skimp us out with one hour. We're ready for two this time. I want to do 20 Yacht Rock songs. Questlove has a 600-song playlist. Yeah. We can do two hours. Yeah. By the way, if you invite Questlove over us, that's your fault. He's going to play Billy Joel and, and Peter Cetera, Power Michael Love, Jackson. and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah Michael, He's going to play Eddie Money. It's going to be terrible. Questlove, you don't know anything about Yacht Rock. Here's, here's where the Yacht Rock experts are right here. Nathan Hubbard, enjoy your vacation. I'll see you soon. Thanks, both. All right. Thanks to Nathan. Thanks to Denzel. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to try them out at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Don't forget to go to TheRinger.com. We premiered The Ringer's 11 trailer 
today. Oh, yeah. New movie coming out. The Ringer's 11. And also uh, the best movie trailers of the last 30 years. You can vote right now on the bracket that we put up. Back later in the week with more. Until then. So